Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Starblades. We'll be discussing that brilliant win on Tuesday night, as well as two more important games coming up this week. I'm joined by Chris, our sports editor, and James, our Blades correspondent. James, we'll start with you. Um, did you expect Tuesday to be a bit closer than what it was? Yeah, I did. Absolutely. I don't think uh, very few people in the ground, probably uh, either wearing Sheffield United colours or Middlesbrough colours, expected that to be a a 4-1 win for Sheffield United. I'm not surprised that Sheffield United won the game. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I thought it was going to be uh it was going to be a damn sight tighter than it actually turned out. But no, I, I think the impressive thing for me was, and I don't know what Chris thinks, but the, the fact that 4-1 just didn't flatter Sheffield United. It wasn't one of those, you know, it, it wasn't like a Taylor Catrell situation, was it? Where you walk away from it thinking how they're, hell has that turned out to to be scored like that or how the, how the hell has that result come about no Sheffield United deserved that 4-1 win it reflected their dominance during the game it reflected the quality of their work and uh yeah I I, I think it was just absolutely well deserved I don't think Middlesbrough could have complained too much if uh, if the margin of victory had been been even even wider mm. Chris Biggest win of the season, or am I just getting too emotional there? Given that it was Wilder's return, yeah, there was the there there is a um, an understandable <clears throat> excuse me an understandable tendency to kind of get wrapped up in the hype surrounding it. But I mean, let's be clear: this it was a really big game, and that you know there have been a couple of those. It's it's been a really important kind of month, six weeks, kind of thing where you know there's so many games coming up and, and every one of them seemed really really important they've played a lot of teams who are they were they were either trying to trying to catch up with or they were kind of in or around and trying to hold them off or 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 open up a bit of gap on a bit, bit of a gap on so um this last last few weeks has been really important and this obviously had the added kind of emotional attachment um due to uh, Chris Wilder obviously come back. It was arguably no, not arguably. I think it was probably, it was probably the best performance of the season. Um just in everything they did. The what I liked about it was they they were at it from the very start. And you could tell from the first within the first five minutes of the match, you could tell they were up for this. They were there were it, there was a there was an intensity about them that the actually we have to admit that on Friday against Nottingham Forest was missing um, and they kind of did to to uh, Middlesbrough sorry what Forest did to United on Friday night they gave them no time on the ball they didn't allow the players who have been a threat this season to to kind of stamp their authority on the match and once they've done that I mean you hear managers saying. That you have to win win the right to, to play football by by digging in for a bit first, and they did that. They they dug in for ten minutes, showed what they were about, for, what they were going to be about in that game. They were intense. They were first to every ball. They got in. There were big tackles coming in really early in the game, and after that, they went right. We've we've got control of this match now, and then and that's when they started playing, and they were great. James, they're looking more and more like their old selves, aren't they? I know they had a little bit of a blip in the last two games, United, but things are well on the up, aren't they? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the position in the table, fifth, uh, suggests that. I think, just going back just very quickly, then I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that point. Uh, I think it was a, a hugely important result. I don't think you can separate the fact that Chris Wilder was Middlesbrough manager from, from, from how important that game was. Because let's, let's just say, for example, Middlesbrough had won that game 4-1. We all know what everybody would have been talking about. Were Sheffield United right to get rid of Chris Wilder? All of that would have come back to the fore again. And people would have been telling us off, saying, oh, why, why on earth are you writing about stuff like that? People would have been talking about that in the pubs and the clubs around Sheffield as well. So I think it was a really important result to not put the uh, the ghost of bed. Chris Wilder will always be a legendary figure at Bramall Lane now, and quite rightly so, with with everything that he's achieved at the club. But there's almost sort of like legacy building moments that every manager has, and I just wonder if that was that was Paul Hackingbottom's, because you saw during the game as well how the the crowd was really buying into what the team was doing. That was one of the. I, I still say now, even as much as the the two promotions that he achieved and the ninth place finishing in the Premier League. Restoring that relationship between the crowd and the team, I still think was probably Chris Wilder's greatest achievement during his reign at Sheffield United. I think it was certainly the most important. And there's no doubt that bond had, had, had become frayed a little bit at the start of the season. That's coming back now. So that that's vital. So I think it was so, so important for Paul to win that game. He will have felt it. Managers will sit there and say, oh, it's only worth three points. No game's bigger than any other. They're all big at this stage of the season. Absolute cobblers. They know that's not true because they invest different things in different games. And that will be a game that Sheffield United invested an awful lot into. Not just physically, as Chris said, but emotionally as well. So it was really, really important they came out of that with something. But yeah, results are picking up. I think the only big concern for me now is, personally, is injuries. And also, as as Chris and I have just touched on there, I think the emotion of the occasion almost took care of itself against Middlesbrough. If there was going to be somebody, in the certainly in the Sheffield United dressing room, who wasn't going to be up for that game, well, you, you've got to question why on earth they, you know, they were at the football club. Coventry will be a little bit different. I thought against Forest, they did really well. In the grand scheme of things, that was a good result against Forest. Not a brilliant result, but a good result. A 1-1 draw at home. But I thought there were signs during that game they were beginning to look a little bit physically and mentally fatigued, which isn't surprising when you look at the schedule they've been on. Isn't surprising when you look at the injuries they're collecting. That's just why I wonder if this game against Coventry City at the weekend is going to be a bigger, bigger test than perhaps anybody quite imagines. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Morgan Gibbs White as well. Chris, last word of the day um, on this game, anyway. What about that goal? Oh, it's superb! It, it it was funny actually. I was in I was in the crowd, so it, there was a strange noise that came from it because I'm not sure everybody quite read it quite registered just how good it was. Um, it's one of those ones that looks better on replay where you get it from. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't actually a cheer. You know, it, it was a. It was a weird noise where everybody went, "Oh!" Like almost, like they couldn't couldn't believe that it that it actually, 
it had actually happened. Um, and then you got that brilliant um, kind of modern day um, addition to football where uh, certainly at certain stadiums and, and Bramall Lane being one of them, where you get a replay of it and you get and everybody else makes a kind of similar noise again because they've, they've, they've watched it again and they're able to get, you know, a better look of exactly what's happened. Um, yeah, just, do you know what? Actually, um, I don't, maybe my maybe my memory's not not great these days, but I actually can't remember. Certainly in my time covering and watching Sheffield United, I I don't think I can remember a season. I mean, obviously going a lot further back there will be, but I can't remember a season where United have scored quite that number of spectacular goals. Um. Morgan Gibbs White scored a couple of them. Obviously, George Baldock the other week has, has scored a great one. Um, there was the the great team goal against West Brom the other week when the Billy Sharp finished off. There's there. I tell you what, the the end of season uh, goal of the season competition will be fiercely contested this year. That that's a good, that's a really good sign though, isn't it? When you think about it though, because it goes to it, it suggests two things. One that the team is actually being encouraged to have a go in situations yeah. like that, that they're not, they don't feel as if they're going to be punished for, for trying something and making a mistake. And two, despite the fact, everything that I said about them looking mentally and physically fatigued against Forest, and I suspect it might be an issue going forward, but it also goes to, goes to show that confidence wise, they're, they're really at the top of the game as well, isn't it? Yeah, and and as, as well as that, you're right because the, this sounds like a criticism, and it's not really. When when United went up the last time, there was a almost robotic nature about them. A lot of the goals were very similar. They did the same kinds of things, but they did it so well that other teams weren't able to to combat it. So there was a lot of get the ball out wide. Baldock would cut inside, play another pass. They might either drop it straight into the box or put it out towards the the edge of the box for Duffy to come into, and or or John Lundstrom, for instance. And there was a lot of, you know, great goals, but they were all very similar, and it was almost like this is how we do it, and we're so good at it, nobody's going to stop us. Everything about them now is, and, and you wrote about this the other week actually, or, or last week about, um. Given those creative players the the license to just go and do something a little bit special and you know allow them off the leash a little bit so that it's not it doesn't become this. I mean, I'm not one to suggest that um, that Man City, for instance, are boring because they're really good and and, and you know <laughs> and they beat most teams. But at times, where you look at it and go, everything they they make everything look so simple that it becomes less almost less spectacular and everything that just. It's just the way it's just just the way it looks, and and fair play to them for being just so good at it. Um, but sometimes you just like to see a little bit of a kind of maverick nature just appearing. And um, in Morgan Gibbs White, they've got that element of die shown it a couple of times whenever whenever he's played. Billy Sharp is is still capable of doing it. David McGoldrick has always had that. I know he's injured at the minute, but he's also always had that little bit of a. A special spark about him where he can just make something happen that just out of nowhere and and it's good that Paul Heckenbottom and I presume Stuart McCall and Jack Lester are really encouraging those 
I, I don't think they're all necessarily flair players, but players who have got that something a little bit special about them to, to kind of make sure that that comes out and they don't become, you know, pass, 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 go. Um, which, you know, nobody's going to complain about how a goal comes about, but it's just nice to have just something that a little bit out of the ordinary come out of come out of it and, and you go away and, and talk about, God, how good was that? Yeah. James, how much do you think Morgan Gibbs White would cost? I know it's a long shot. Um, what are we talking? 10 million, 20 million, less, more? Listen, the short answer to that is I don't know. Uh, it would, it would depend on, on a couple of things, wouldn't it? It would depend on how much Wolves wanted to keep him. And it would depend as well on how many clubs were actually interested in him and whether or not that would drive the price up. I do suspect, and again, this isn't uh, a criticism of anybody. I think it's just the you know, the way that the situation, the, the, the system in football works. I do suspect that when you added it up, whatever it would be, though, it would be too much for Sheffield United. Poured cold water on that one, but thanks. Oh, it, listen, it, enjoy Morgan Gibbs White while he's while he's here. That that's all I'll say. I'm not saying he's going to go on and have a career like you know David Beckham, who went to 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 began his career at Preston and with a loan spell there, or Frank Lampard down at Swansea City. But I, I spoke to Paul Eckingbottom about it this week, and yeah, he he was right and. You know, perhaps it changed my thinking on this a little bit, although I still believe Sheffield United have got to wean themselves off having quite so many loans. I, I, I haven't changed my, my view on that. But I asked him yesterday, actually, I said, "Do you would you ideally like to get in a situation whereby the loans that you do have all got permanent, you know, options attached to them? And he said, well, yeah, in an ideal world, of course we would do, but then am I going to turn around if Manchester City, who we've just been talking about, said you can have our best young player for a year? Uh, can we sign him at the end of the uh, the deal? Well, yeah, you can, but it's going to cost £250 million. Uh, Oh, no, OK, we won't do that deal then. Well, of course, you know, Sheffield United are going to do it and they would be stupid not to do it. You've seen Huddersfield doing something very, very similar now and doing it very, very well. Uh, at the John Smiths. They've obviously got a really good relationship with Chelsea. They're getting young players in from Stamford Bridge for next to nothing. Uh, the only financial penalties involved there are if they don't play. So they're doing it well. Uh, but no, listen, Morgan Gibbs-White's career, he's, he's going to go on to have a very good Premier League career. You do suspect that the longer Bruno Large, and he's doing really well, stays at Wolves. It possibly won't be at Wolves because of the, the system that they play. But he's going to have his pick of some established, and that is the, the, the key word there. He's going to have his pick of some established Premier League clubs, uh, you suspect, at the at the end of the season, if Wolves do decide to cash him. Back to United then. And James, you've alluded to this. Chris, you too. Um is burnout the biggest threat then to their season with uh, what I'm not going to call it an injury crisis, but Charlie Good's out, John Flex out. There's obviously a few players that are already out that we know of as well. If you want to call it injuries, yeah, that is the biggest, for me, that's the biggest threat. I, I think that aligned with 
as as James touched on earlier, the emotion and and, and mental fatigue that, that that comes from just just having to play so many games and and you know let's not forget that these the the analysis and the and the the homework that goes in to these matches where you know we're not we're not talking about players just rocking up on a Tuesday night playing who they're playing and then training for a bit for a couple of days and then doing the same thing again on a Saturday they they will be in the the classroom for want of a better word taking in huge amounts of information in terms of the opposition tactics and individual um you know they'll, they'll take in information as a team, and then and then each of them, the analysis, the analysts will be going to each individual player. I know that that some players get get sent um, like what videos over WhatsApp, and you have a look at this. This is where he's going to be coming, and and this is what you have to target, or this is an area that we can target and look at these videos and see. And so they're they're just constantly switched on to to every single match. And and when they're coming so so quickly as as they are, the, the, it's it's draining. I mean, I, I I can't draw any comparison, but it it's 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 difficult for us sometimes to to move because we're we're going and James more than James and Danny more than anybody else are going from press conference on a Monday, match on a Tuesday, probably having a day off, another press conference. Next match on Saturday, and and the, you're just in this, and it, it, obviously it's not, it's no comparison whatsoever. But you're moving, you're moving on so quickly, and you're moving on to another team, and it's, you know you, you're having to do different, different aspects, and and that's tiring. So whenever you're actually doing that physically, on the training pitch, in the classroom, whenever you're at home being sent videos and and being told to look at certain things and think about different things, and then going to do a match, trying to wind yourself down after the match and then pick yourself up again to go for the next one i you know I, i'm exhausted actually just talking about it now so <laughs> I, it's gonna it it's gonna be really really difficult and i know that we we, sp- we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago we just get the impression that paul just wants to get to this international break so everybody can have a breather and just sort themselves out and then go again because you know easter's around the corner and that's that's another really really um, hectic schedule, and the, before the, you know it, the, the first you're, thing you're that, away. the first thing they should be doing, and the first thing I suspect they will do at Sheffield United is for those players who aren't going to be away representing their countries, is just to say, you know what, have three or four days off, yeah, just completely switch off, yeah. And the only time if I find out that you've even clicked on a YouTube uh, thing about football or you've read about football or you've watched any football on the telly you're getting a fine yeah just just a couple of days with nothing to do with football whatsoever i'm not sure policing their uh, internet history is going to go down too well to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so um obviously on that point about you know the, the emotion and the exhaustion do you think that's the biggest challenge for coventry and blackpool is obviously you've come from the high of middlesbrough and wilder and everything that, that came with that to Obviously, two teams that are doing very well, but they're not among the sort of the sexy teams in the league, are they? Let's be honest about that. No, uh, yeah, and the and the atmosphere at, uh, at the, well, got to stop calling it the Rico, haven't I? The Coventry City Building Society Arena, 
Uh, it's not going to be the same as it was at, at Bramwell Lane on Tuesday night. That's obvious. No, no slight on Coventry City, but they don't, you know, have the same. They don't have any great rivalry to speak of with Sheffield United. Uh, there will be a lot of empty seats when you look at the size of the ground and, and Coventry City's average gates. Although they're they're one of the better supported teams in the Championship right now, but it's a big, big ground. So, yeah, what, what, whatever Sheffield United, you know, they, they're going to have to try and recreate that that sort of emotional wave. They're going to have to try and sort of summon that from within themselves uh, during this game and probably next week at Blackpool as well. Whereas against Middlesbrough, as, as we said at the top of the show, that, that was all done for them. The occasion pretty much took care of itself in that regard. But, you know, if they, they want to win promotion, they're going to have to do it. Chris, it does feel like it would be very championship to slip up in one of these games. Yeah. And, and again, this is another thing we spoke about before. You can't, you really can't expect to win every match. And you're gonna, they're going to drop points here and there. Um. As James said earlier, they, they they draw against Forest only felt disappointing because Forest scored in the last minute. But they, they actually, whenever you weigh things up, they didn't play particularly well. And you're playing against one of the informed teams in the league, so to get a point, whether you're at home or not, is is a very good point to pick up. Um, I'm <laughs> stupidly kind of uh, stupidly in the sense that. Um, if you take my mentality here, then you're not going to get enough points. But I'm I'm kind of in that mode now where you're looking at it and go, you know what? I take a draw here, and I'm doing that every single game as, as we go along. And if I keep if I keep taking a draw here, then then obviously they're not going to get enough points. But it's just that it, it's just that sense that you're going into every match knowing that not just who you're playing against, but what has gone on in the past, in the in the previous couple of games and what you've put into it, that you just think to yourself, actually, do you know what? At some point they're going to slip up again, and it could be against Coventry or Blackpool, and that's that's just that's just the way it is. But that doesn't take away that doesn't necessarily mean that you know that they're not a good team or they don't have the mentality to keep going. It's just the it's just the way the division is. Um, you know, Fulham are flying now, but they 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 had a sticky patch and they dropped points that they shouldn't really have dropped, notably against against United. Um. Bournemouth, we've seen them having a slip. Huddersfield can't keep doing what they're doing, although they the good thing about them is they're dragging out those draws that that may well have been defeats. And Blackburn had a had a really a difficult patch because they're they're struggling for goals at the minute. So no matter how well you're doing, you're gonna get beat at some point because the division is too competitive and it the, there's too many challenges facing you for you to go on a kind of run that would get you automatically promoted in in March or, or April. Yes. Basically what we're saying is there's a fair chance they could drop points here against against Coventry or Blackpool. It's not the end of the world if it happens. No. Four points would be a brilliant return from these two guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Even three, I think, would be a <clears throat> You know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be brilliant, would it? Because it would mean that they've lost a game. But I think three would, would wouldn't be a bad a bad yeah. outcome. So long, as, you know, the the only thing you would look at it and say is if that was going to be the case, if somebody said to you, right, you need to take three points from this from these next two games. If they lost this one on Saturday and then won 
in the midweek one going into the international break, then that's probably better because you at least want to go into break on a high. You don't want to be having that kind of negativity hanging over you a little bit whenever you're when you've got that big gap because you know it kind of it ends up festering a little bit. But you know we're talking very hypothetically here. They could they could well go out, and there's a fair chance they will go out and just steam steamroll over over both teams, or they could lose both, or they could drop points. No one really knows. If they drop points, you just have to hold your hand up and say, "Well, that that's just the way the league is." I think we've also been spoiled a little bit in this, in this last few months with Heckenbottom just because of that brilliant run they went on as well. Right, yeah, and, and you know, on, if they do drop, if they do drop points, it's only because we've seen how good they are. You know, the disappointment will only come because of the fact that we've seen how good they are. So, the players need to get credit for that because they have dragged themselves into that position where the expectation levels have risen again. I think that's the final point. Anyway, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for, um, as always, for staying with us, and we'll see you next time.